This is a Federal News Network podcast. The expansion of people and tasks thrust on the Small Business Administration in the pandemic response has been well documented. It had to add systems and staff and design new programs, all with everyone teleworking. I was curious about how people communicated among themselves and with industry while all of this was building up. So I asked the SBA's chief technology officer, Sanjay Gupta. Yeah, good question. And I think this has been one of the most uh, uh, enlightening times as well. Um, so, so one thing that let me just sort of raise the discussion up a little higher is, and I'll kind of go across both private and public sectors. I think amongst one thing that's been proven consistently across all private and public sector organizations is IT plays a critical or more specifically a vital role in any organization's ability to meet, achieve its mission. And that's one of the things that has come out in the last six months through the global pandemic, regardless of which organization you're talking about, that IT has been a critical component. So, so the stature of IT and the value of IT has become more prominent. Let me just sort of kind of go from, from there, from your question standpoint, because we are relying on technology, even our conversation you and I are having today, it relies on, on multiple pieces of technology behind the scenes, is what enabled people to continue to deliver to their mission. It enabled people to collaborate enable people to be assured that their information is secured. Because ultimately, those components are needed to be able to deliver to the mission. Each of us needs to perform our job, our responsibilities, and our functions. But we also need to be able to do it in a manner which is, uh, from a performance standpoint, easy enough. It's not something that you're doing in a difficult manner. And two, you also need the assurance that it's being done in a secure manner, correct? So all of those factors, I think, came to play. From our standpoint, obviously, a uh, few things which we had implemented from a cybersecurity standpoint uh, a couple of years ago, which was essentially a cloud-based cybersecurity model, which allowed us visibility into all IT assets in the SBA, regardless if they were on-premise, regardless if they were in some cloud, or regardless if they were mobile. We already had those capabilities implemented uh, a couple of years ago. For us, in that sense, this transition was not so significant from that standpoint because we already had that capabilities in place. And so we had to do only a few tweaks to ensure that we have continued to maintain the cybersecurity posture, uh, not only for the SBA, but for all of our constituents who work with us and our, and our citizens and small businesses. But beyond the technical level, you had to discuss things with people and do planning and draw things on napkins and whiteboards for how this is all going to work. And again, the interaction I want to ask about with, say, the program people that were charged with actually carrying out the missions. Uh, and so how did that work? From the, I mean, what was it like? What were your processes for communication with one another and with contractors above the technology level? Correct. I think one thing that I found is um, a lot of the staffers adopted new technology very quickly. And I'm saying this with full candor because in the past – before the pandemic, uh, we've deployed new technologies um, and usually the adoption rate is, I just say, whatever it is. But during the last six months, we deployed new tools and solutions, but we found that the adoption rate was much at a much accelerated rate. And I think part of the factor is because each of us was, if you will, motivated to adopt it because it helped us do our jobs better. So I think that's the, the basis of that. But to your point about how did we interact with the program offices and the business folks, simply put, these tools are what helped us keep the lifeline or the bloodline continuing to be operated. Uh, some of the tools that we deployed allowed us to have near in real person sort of interactions. Um, and I think I'll just give another example. 
Um, we have used multiple channels of communications. At, at one point in time, I recall myself personally um, in probably late March, April timeframe, I used to be having communications and dialogues going across six, seven, eight different channels. And let me sort of give you just a quick enumeration of that. So, you know, my, my phone, so there, the phone is, you know, three different sort of channels, you know, email, phone as a phone and chat uh, through text messaging. So I would have those communications going on. Then, you know, we had other instant messaging and collaboration tools that we have deployed internally. And since we were working with a lot of our partners, we were using their collaboration tools or their chat capabilities, in addition to all of your basic email and everything. So at given point in time, I personally was having dialogues going across seven, eight, nine different channels of different communications. So I think one thing to say is I felt our staff did the same. Uh, they were not limited to saying, okay, well, you send me an email, I'll send you back an email. So they were doing chats using our chat capabilities and they were interacting using other collaboration tools. And in addition, the sort of the standard good old phone call or video calls, all of the above. So I think one of the things I found is the adaptability. People were adapting to these new tools and technologies and they were very quickly using them. Yeah, so there was almost a, uh, a mind-bending ability to inculcate all of these things because it's almost like juggling. You're on several channels simultaneously. This wasn't just Correct. today I'll use this one, tomorrow that one. Absolutely. What's your sense of how people are doing with that? Do you, do you check in with the users from a usability standpoint and say, are we making you crazy or is this helping your work? Do you have ways of measuring that or at least taking the pulse of it? Yeah, I think it's, it's a mixed bag uh, in, in full candor again. I think um, so we did have training programs available and we held those training programs. Some people availed them, some didn't. And yes, uh, I do. And we do do a sort of a reach out and check on that. And as you can imagine, you know, with any situation, there's uh, uh, some of the early adopters, some sort of mid adopters, some late adopters. And we'll have always that mixed bag of you know user base, if you will. And that's OK. That's how it is. Uh, nothing right or wrong about it. And then so, so, so what I found also here is one intriguing thing I found is some of the virtual collaboration tools, people were helping amongst themselves, peer-to-peer -peer help, not the traditional go to IT and ask them for help because it's an IT tool we're using. I found an increased uh, reliance on peer-to-peer -peer help through some of the platforms that we had deployed. Uh, and that was very encouraging because you know, somebody would post a question, let's say, and somebody would say, oh, I'm having the same issue. Let me know when you find a solution. And then somebody would say, oh, I knew what this problem happened to her. Maybe she can fix this problem for you or tell you how she fixed it. So it was almost unimaginable how well people started adopting these, these tools and these informal networks were created. And people started relying on each other, if you will, peer-to-peer -peer networks for being able to help each other out, recognizing that you know, yeah, can you go to IT and have them respond to it? Yes, yes, we will, but there may not be the, the sort of the time delay may occur. And so uh, it was just very nice to see and, and very encouraging to see that, you know, there was a lot of peer-to-peer -peer help going on. And then uh, we deployed some tools, which some people were very comfortable using. So for example, you know, one of the uh, aspects was reach out to the uh, citizens. And so there were many events that our Office of Field Operations would hold and so we deployed solutions that could host up to 10,000 people per event. And uh, that allowed people to do a reach out and have interaction and have you know, communications go out. Question on the 10,000 style participation. 
was it just one way, like a broadcast, or could people send in questions? Yeah, it was more of a broadcast. So from an audio standpoint, that did not allow audio questions, but you had the ability, if you wanted to open chat for questions uh, on a limited basis, you could do that. But it was more of a, you're right, it's more of a broadcast, because when you have a 10,000 potential audience, then it's difficult to have an interactive audience, and, and the audio one would have almost been unimaginable. But in this case, there was a lot of information they were trying to push out about the programs, like PPP program or IDLE program. And so, so this was more of a broadcast, correct. Sanjay Gupta is Chief Technology Officer at the Small Business Administration. There's much more to the interview, and we'll air it all later this month. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.